Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast. Or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all, and therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash pause for 10% off your first month. Jonathan Pierce. Eric Terry Alderton. Do you like shoes, madam? And friends. <laughs> JP. The mad side of genius. And T. Good to meet you, love. The football friendly. Hello, everybody. Welcome, JP and T, the football friendly. Uh, Terry Alderton, how are you? Very good. Thank you very much indeed. Had a wonderful weekend of coldness because I've got that bug as well now, but no one cares about that. No one cares about that. No, the Lily, the Lily Foundation comedy night, Terry, was very good oh. Good enough to, 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 yeah, yeah. to, to be there. And uh, he, he was on stage at the comedy store and he, he absolutely smashed the place out. It was fantastic. Thank you. And Romish, Romish did it and... and uh, Oh, it's fantastic. Sean Walsh. Sean and, Walsh. Um, it was a really good night. You it was a great, so. great night, wasn't it? And it's great to bring that awareness about Lee and what have you. Um, uh, we're on a slightly later one uh, this week, usually on Mondays, as everybody knows, but we, we had to postpone until Thursday because we couldn't get our special guest, and it's a special show today. Am I right, Jonathan? It is, and we're celebrating the survival of Southend United Football Club, the club you love, because <laughs> uh, you're safe yeah. for a, well for a while. Well, yeah, for the next. We, <laughs> we, we, we can't get too much into that because our guest is a 30 year uh, uh, service to that club as as an employee. So we can't we can't, we can't get into too much of that because he can't say everything. But we are today talking more about the great Bobby Moore, and I cannot believe it's 30 years since he passed. Unbelievable. Last weekend, 30 years since Bobby went, and uh, he was simply one of the best human beings I've ever met in my life, and I was privileged to know him and work with him and, and, you know, he was a friend of mine, and um, 
He was just a wonderful person, Terry. You know, we spoke before on the podcast. He, he, he treated princes and paupers the same. Loved to talk about football. Loved the game. And uh, he, he was never bitter about what people earn these days in the game. And and you know, he was he would always try and paint up the positives of a footballer when we were commentating together. And, the, and you know, the stories we could tell. We could go on, but the man, the man who's with us today, can tell better stories than I can. You introduce him. Well, he, he's a fo- he's a football man. He's a fo- that, that word legend. I, I think more of an icon. This man uh, <laughs> for West Ham, and uh, and we'll get into it all in a minute. But uh, he's a, he's a, he's an old friend of mine as well, ladies and gentlemen. Can we welcome to the podcast Brian Stag? They call him the Stag. Brian Deer. Hello, Stag, Brian. Good morning. How you doing, Stag? Okay, I'm fine. Good stuff, good stuff. So um, you go back with Bobby a long, long way. Can you believe it's 30 years, Brian? Um, no, not really. Not really. It's, you know, the memories are always there still, aren't they? You go back with him. when You joined West Ham when he was 1962, wasn't it, when you joined West Ham United? What was no, he like then? I, I joined West Ham... 1959. 59. Unbelievable. That's when football was football. Bobby made his league debut, didn't he, on the 8th of September 1958 against Manchester United. And Johnny Bond, all them boys were there. And Malcolm absolutely adored him. You would think it was his boys. At the time, Malcolm was having problems with a serious illness. And um, he didn't uh, in the game against Manchester United because of this illness. And I think Ted Fenton wanted to play Bill Lansdowne. And at the end of the day, Malcolm, um, Malcolm had his own way and Bob made his league debut. Um, and then from then on, um, everything was everything and the story begins there. Because he, he could have played cricket, couldn't he, Brian? You know, he used to tell me that he, he I think he played Essex, Essex youngsters and he, he could have played, he could have played cricket, couldn't he? But he, he obviously chose West Ham United and, and football to everyone's benefit. But he, he was... Um, he was a brilliant all-round sportsman, wasn't he? He kept in South of England schools. And I've, I've been looking at a photo this morning on the wall and he's in some old photos of him when he was a kid and he wasn't even captain of the football team. So it, it, it's amazing how he became such an icon in not just English but world football. Um, he, he had a, a very special talent which emerged. When did you when did you two meet then? Did you meet prior to uh, playing for West Ham? Were you playing in the Sunday no, leagues together, or, no, think, or was it actually at West Ham you met? I'm, I'm near West Ham because um, I was a ground staff boy, and Bobby, I, I, I Bobby was um, two years older than me, so therefore ground staff boy with the likes of Jeff Hurst, Martin Peters, Johnny Boyce, Johnny Sissons, Johnny Charles, loads of us. And we just done the menial jobs there. Um, when Bobby was a pro, I mean, we carried their kit about. <laughs> we'll get that now. You know. Well, you, you wouldn't get that now. You'd be too snowflakey. No, I'm, car- I'm not carrying that. Brian, when you made your debut, it was against Wolves, wasn't it, in 62? Um, 62. Um, yeah, August 62. Because he was a couple of years older than you. What? Yeah. Uh, what you know? What was he? Was he? Was he sort of reassuring to you? What was he like to you when you made that debut? Uh, well, he didn't say much to me then. The, 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 the bloke who said something to me was Phil Woosner because I, 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 I think I played because I was injured. Um, and Phil Woosner said to me, he said, "What you got to do is give me the ball and make yourself look good." And I thought, "Hello, <laughs> like, 
I've changed the bell. You know, for once in my life, I was a bit naive. Um, but no, we we drew no goals. Um, and I don't, I don't, I can't remember when I made an appearance after that. Did you play up front in that game? Did you come on? You come on a striker? No, I was a winger then. Oh. When I was when I was a schoolboy, I played outside left. Outside left. Listen to that. That's great, isn't it? Outside, mm. not with all this stuff they do now, CDM and all that. Outside left. Love it. No, no. <laughs> I wasn't a wing back or anything like that. I was an outside left. Because if you're an outside left, you have a left foot. And I was natural. I was naturally left footed. Brian Deere, uh, Brian has the fastest goals, the most goals in the fastest time. The five in 20. Am I correct, Brian Deere? Yeah, they were one who tried to nick it. And that was Aguero. Oh, yeah. He, he scored five. Oh, he did five. He scored five, but mine was in real time. We never had added time. Ah. Uh, we kicked off at three o'clock, finished at quarter to four, come back out at five to four, and finished at twenty to five. Down the pub, and that was. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't have extra time. It was. That was. That was not the thing in our days. Are you just getting nine or ten minutes extra time? Is, is this a game against West Brom? You're talking about. He scored either, either yeah. side of half time. Five goals, wasn't it? One, I, I scored one minute in the forty-fourth minute, and four in nineteen minutes. And you were getting lumps kicked out of you at the time because they don't tackle anymore, Brian. Do they? They're, no, they're not allowed to tackle. No. Who, who was the Who was the hardest you played in in that in that in that era? Um, probably the Leeds boys. Yeah, Spike. Yeah, Brem, you know Bremner, Hunter. But but there, there was a few around. But I don't know. I it didn't really didn't bother me. Um, because we never, we we, were, we didn't have anyone in our side like that. Bobby, Bobby told me a story, Stag, of um, when you played up at Bolton because Bolton had a pair of fullbacks called Hartle and Banks. Oh yeah, bloody hell! <laughs> and they had they had a cam they had a cambered pitch, Terry, where it dropped off on either side down to the sort of what we would call the running track, you know, and. Um, Ron Greenwood, Brian. I don't know if you played in that game. You can you can tell me more about the story. But Ron gave you these special sort of. He was a, fan, a massive fan, wasn't he? Ron Greenwood of European football, and he he gave yeah. them this. He gave them this 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 kit, didn't he? This sort of tight European kit. And Bobby turned around and said, "We can't go out in that because they'll murder us up here. It's a northern crowd. They hate us anyway." And they got Hartland Banks, so they've they've gone you know with, with this kit on, which left no, nothing to the imagination. It was all skin tight or whatever. And then and then Hartland Banks got. <laughs> Sort to rip into you, and um, he said Harry Harry Redknapp was on one side, wasn't he, Brian? And uh, he tried to swap flanks to get away from, let's say Hartle, and there was Banks waiting for him on the other side, so there was no escape for him. But did you play in that game? Peter Pickford told me a story. He said when I come off, all I had underneath my boots was white. When I walked along the line, because they were saying if he comes near you. Chip him back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, because Bobby lived, the, the, the football club West Ham had, had houses, didn't they, where they put kids yeah. up uh, on the other side of the of um, Green Street. And uh, did were you in there? Were you in those, uh, no, in those sort of digs? No. I, lived, I lived in Hatherley Gardens, which was about five minutes from the, the dressing rooms of West Ham United. And were you part of the Cassateri crowd, the restaurant around the corner where they used to go and plot tactics yeah. with salt and pepper sets? So what, tell us about that, Brian. We used to get a ticket. Harry Butler was uh, just a, a bloke who'd done bits and pieces around the ground, come come away with the Metropolitan League side. So used to stamp your ticket and used to go around the cat and used, you'd have like 
a dinner and a pudding, and then you give him a ticket, and that was it. And then the car paid them, and that was that was how we got there. But before then, I mean, I, I've got photos of Malcolm, of John Bond, of Malcolm Nelson, of Malcolm Musgrove, of Sexton, and Jimmy Andrews, all of them, Mike Grice, all sitting upstairs having a talk, and that's where they reckon they put the old salt and pepper pots around this. I mean, Ted Fenton wasn't as articulate um, in the in the game as Ron Greenwood, um, and they used to use the salt and pepper pots because Malcolm and them were the future. You know, imagine them guys I've just mentioned. They were managers all over the place. They were Sexton managers, United, Franco Farrell managers, United. Malcolm Allison all over the place. Noel Campbell was the dearest back when he was sold for £29,000 after the disaster, the Manchester United disaster, and took him to the FA Cup next season. I mean, it's quite amazing. Their, their, their coaching was, was just phenomenal. <laughs> what? Brian, take us back to the days. Take 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 us back to the days when Bobby was now developing. You know, from being a, a young kid in the late fifties, early sixties, sixty-two. I think he was given the captaincy in sixty-two, something like that. And the, as, as we moved towards those successful years, the cup run in sixty-four. Uh, what was it like being around him then, and being around the football club in sixty-four? I don't think you played in the final in sixty-four, did you? But uh, no. cup winners' cup, of course, in sixty-five. It was amazing. It was. You know, I was I was quite uh, you know on good terms with Bob. Um, you know, when you talk about '62, I'll tell you a little story. I was at a function um, in a hotel a few years ago, and we had these Bobby Moore badges. And I, w- I went on the table. There was Jimmy Armfield, and uh, I said, "You put one of these um, in your lapel." Jimmy went, "No," he said, "It'll spoil my suit." I said, you haven't got the ump. I said, because you lost the captain seat for Bobby Moore. <laughs> he looked at me. He did, <laughs> he yeah. did didn't he? Yeah. And I, think, I don't think he ever no, forgot No, I mean, it was, it was a real, for Sir Alf to give, it was just Alf then, to give Bobby that captaincy at that stage of Bobby's life was a major, major, uh, yeah, it was. a huge, and, and Jimmy was so established, you know, and, and much loved as he was for the rest of his life. God bless him. But... And you, I don't think you, you, I don't think you played in the final, did the FA Cup final against Preston, but um, that was that was a sort of that was the, that was the sort of first recognition in terms of silverware of, the, of of a very fine team, wasn't it, led by Bobby Bryan? Yeah, and you see, lots of those boys were were local boys. Bobby was a Barking boy, and Boise was a, an East Ham boy. Johnny Sissons was only a young lad from West London. Kenny Brown was a Dagenham boy. Jack Burkett, North London. Lee Bovitton was North London. Bondi had been there with Kenny Brown when we got promotion from the second division. So, And he was from, from Colchester, playing for some unknown team. And, you know, we, we didn't have, in those days, people around us. We had most of the lads who I was on the ground staff with were a bus ride away from Upton Park. So there was no big-time Charlie, even when Bobby was at the height of his career. You know, he was, he was still one of us, and he acted that way. You know, it, it, that, that team that beat 1860 Munich in the Cup Winners' Cup final, um, 
with, with some team. You know, you had Jim Standard in goal. People forget that Jim Standard won the FA Cup, the Cup Winners' Cup, and a county championship medal with, with Worcestershire. He was a good cricketer, Jim. Top of bowling averages. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that European Cup Winners' Cup side, boys, Jim Standard cost us £10,000. Joe Kerr Cup cost nothing. £20 when he signed pro. Joe Kerr Cup. Jack Burkett, the same. Bobby, the same. Brownie, the same. Martin, the same. Alan Seeley, we swapped when Ted Fenton got the sack. And the directors changed Dave Dunmore, who was a Tottenham centre forward, to Lake Norrington. And we got, we got Sammy in the exchange. Boise was an East Ham schoolboy. Also, Jeff, who lived, whose father was a, a semi-pro, came to work for a company in Chelmsford. Someone saw him playing just schoolboy football. Ask him if he wanted a trial at West Ham. 20 quid. Me, 20 quid. 180 quid. What good value for money that was. Alan C- Alan Seeley, is a good story about Alan Seeley because just a week before they played in the game against 1860 Munich, he got married and um, and then he scored the two goals, didn't he? What was he like, play- what was he like playing in that game, Brian? Amazing. Amazing. We... Um, that I only got inside 15 games from the end of the season. I, I was not really, I didn't play many games that year even. But Budgie and at the time, as you know, Budgie and Bobby were in the England squad. There was internationals. And um, they, the, day we sh- the day we should have played Lausanne, it was cancelled because of uh, the snowbound pitch. And there was an international that Budgie played in the week after. And on the Saturday after the international, we were due to play. We mm. we played Sunderland at home, and um, Ernie Grobe came in the dressing room. We said, "Stag runs out in the pitch. He wants to have a word with you." Well, here we go. <laughs> and um, so I said, "What's up?" He went, "I'm resting, Budgie, tomorrow." Stag. He said, "I'm playing you tomorrow in the league side." I thought, "Hello, what? nice." Well, we got beat three two. I got the two goals. So we're in the bath afterwards, and he's coming to the to the bathroom. And he went, Stag, you got a passport? I said, yes, Ron. He said, right, you're coming with us tomorrow to Lausanne. So I said to him, I ain't coming unless I'm playing. He went, be here at 7 o'clock in the morning. We went out there. I scored in nine minutes. Budgie got an unbelievable goal from the centre circle. Come home, I was scoring. I ended up getting 14 goals in 15 games. And then Budgie went and got injured. So, you know, I was in the side. After 14 games, and they played nine games, I only played five of them, including the final. And I'm at Wembley. If people don't know Budgie, Brian's talking about Budgie, just this, um, Johnny Byrne. You, you scored two in the game against Lausanne at home, and then you scored another one against Saragotha in the semi final, didn't you? And when, when was it? When was it for this team of local kids you're talking about with Bobby with Bobby Moore at the core of it? When was it stag that you knew you had a really special team? Well, I don't know about a special team. We had a great squad. I mean, Budgie missed that final. Peter Braidrup missed that final. Bobbitt mm. missed that final, and they mm. all appeared in the FA Cup win the year before. And after the game, we got beat at Christmas eight two by Blackburn at home. Eddie Bobbitt and went in the side and stayed in that side until after the cup final. And Martin went to see Ron. He said, Ron, I'm not happy with being left out. He said, well, you never played very well. He went, well, was I the only one when you get beat 8-2? You did, you, 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 you did famously go out as a group of boys, teammates. Um, you, uh, Bobby Moore, Jimmy Greaves, Clyde Best. Uh, I can't remember who the coach was. You famously went out before the game against Blackpool, didn't you, in the FA Cup. You got a lot of trouble for that. Tell us about that. 
I was at a do the other day at the bowling and they asked about this story. I mean, there's so many conflicting stories on this. And we went to the club, we had a couple of beers. There was no drunkenness or anything like that. And we went back to the hotel, sat in the lounge and had a coffee and and um <laughs> The, the, the irony was the next day, Bob Stokoe brought his Blackpool team to have their pre match in the hotel where we were staying. And of course, you know what those little men who stand on the door of the hotels are like for a few quid, they'll tell you anything. I suppose he told them that, you know, we was out and so on and then it all got blown up. I never played in that game. Bobby Howe played instead of me. And the boy Green took the Tony course. Green. Yeah, Tony Green. Absolutely slaughtered. And um, I was after the weekend, I had a phone call from from Bobby, and I was at home in Hornchurch, and he said, stay, he said, Ron got wind where we went. He said, um, we've got to go to the ground. So I went off to the ground. Bobby was at the ground. Jimmy was at the ground. Um, we went in to see him. You know, what could we say? Rob Jenkins, I think, was sort of not, not forced or whatever, but, you know, to, to let Ron know where we was. Clyde was exonerated because he was presumably a young man. I think don't think Bobby played in the next couple of games, did he? Jimmy didn't. Ron told me I've never played for that now. No. Um, so I was a big sufferer, but, you know, it, it, it never sort of made me any different. Um, you know, I didn't dwell on it. But um, And Jim left. Jim only had one more at the end of the season, didn't he? And he packed up. And then, as you know, I don't think Bob and Ron ever sort of saw eye to eye much. And a sad occasion, but, you know, what we done, we done, and that was it. And of course, only a week or so afterwards, it was Bobby Moore. This is your life, and um, there was talk of you know postponing that, but that that wasn't uh, that didn't happen. And so that was it. I was I was I was out West End. I got paid for the end of the season and finito. No more. He was when he used to talk. When he used to talk to me about that, and he used to talk to me about Ron, and. He it was a fallout, and and also Bobby wanted to go to Tottenham, didn't he? He was coming to the end of his West Ham West Ham career, and he, he wanted he wanted to move, and and he wasn't allowed to go. And um, he, there was when he when he talked about his relationship with Ron, there was real sadness in his eyes, you know, I, I, the the fact that it sort of ended like that because Ron was a great football man too, and it it was sad, wasn't it, Brian, that they sort of ended like that. Really, I, I think. Well, it's very difficult for a man who changed the way West Ham played to compete with Bobby Moore. <laughs> Bob was yeah. just, he was the man. He was just the man. When he was... There's a lovely story. When when they, they got beaten by the by West Ham in the final Fulham, and, and you can actually see pictures of this. He's, he he was such a competitor, though, wanted to win, wasn't he? And oh, yeah. He came off, and he came off at the end arm-in-arm arm with Mallory, and, and Alan Mallory tells a story that Bobby was sort of disconsolate that they got beaten, and, and Alan turned around to him and said, you know, what, what are you fed up for, Bobby? Here we are. You know, in our dotage as players, as it were, and we we just played in a in an FA Cup final at Wembley Stadium, and we played really well, and uh, you know, and they and then they they got on as thick as thieves. But um, he he wanted to win. He was fiercely competitive. Well, you see, they both they both left first division clubs to go to a second division club, didn't they? Yeah. Alan finished his career at um, Fulham, and Bobby, well, practically finished his career there, didn't he? Other than the other little clubs he went to, you know that. Footballers were different in them days. You know, they they accepted that situation without too much fuss. Brian, let's talk about the, the radio days. Can you remember? Can you remember that night at Tottenham Hotspur? Yes, I was there in the private box, and uh, my friend wanted Bobby to come across. Martin was in the box with me, and he came over because um, he was with you that night. 
Yeah. My friend was quite a wealthy man and, you know, players get money for doing this and doing that. So he gave me some money for the pair of them. So I gave Martin some money and Bobby said, right, I've got to go snaggy suit because I'm over the other side with Jonathan Pierce. He said, and we, you know, I said, well, okay, thanks for popping over. And I went outside and I said, look, I said, there's some money there. I said, uh, Collins give you that for coming over. And he just got, rolled it up, put it in the top pocket of my jacket and went, take Jen and the kids out for supper. I mean, that's what he was like. Yeah. Well, Brian, when we were... I never saw him. That was the last time I ever saw him. (gasps) Wow. And now Stephanie's still got that scarf and that hat in the boot of her car. Oh, my. It's in the boot of her car. It's been there forever. When we were at the European Championships in Sweden in 92, we had a a, a lad working with us called Julian Walters. And uh, he was a sort of reporter, you know, and uh, he, he wanted... He well, while England were there, he, he was okay. But when England went out, Capital said he had to come home um, because there was no point in him being there anymore. And they, you know, they didn't want to spend the money on his expenses and everything like that in the hotels. He was crestfallen because he wanted to see a tournament through. You know, that was his ambition. So Bobby phoned up Capital and said, "With me," and he said, um, "I'll pay for him." I'll pay for his wages while he's here. I'll pay for his hotel. I'll pay for all his accommodation. He won't have to spend a penny. I'll do that. As long as Julian never knows. So Julian stayed over there and we, we never told Julian. Uh, Julian found out when Bobby died and he was obviously very, very upset. But that was typical of Bob. You know, he was so um, he was so generous. He was so generous with everything. With Not, not just that. He was just generous with his time. You know, we'd, know. Be on a train. we'd be on a train, Brian, and he'd talk to fans, you know. You just sit and talk to fans about football. Wonderful. I don't think, you know, he wasn't like some of the pundits they are really on the ball these days. But, you know, I've was, I was said to people, to have you around him, he was comfortable with you, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, we had, we had fun, you know. We, we used to... Um, he, told, he used to tell me some stories, but I never pried. I mean, I never asked him about the Columbia thing, the World Cup. We never talked about it. He and I didn't think maybe bracelet. No, no. I mean, I think I think it's a story for someone else to tell, but I think we know what happened. But it wasn't Bobby, and um, it was a fit-up charge. And but we, so I think maybe that was why he was comfortable. We used to have a laugh, you know. Mick Lowe's was was working with me at the time, and Bobby loved him, and uh, we still talk, Mick and I, you know, virtually every couple of weeks about Bob. He loved a little glass of wine, Bob, didn't he? And he told me a great story. They yeah. were out in Port- Portugal, I think it was, with England. Terry, this wasn't long before England won the World Cup. You know, this was the build-up to it. Mm. And, um, and you know, again, they had a curfew and one or two of them went out. And again, this was all blown up out of all proportion. But what happened was they got back from where they'd gone out. And Les Cocker, the assistant to uh, to uh, Don Reavy, uh, uh, to Sir Alf, sorry, Les Cocker, the assistant to Sir Alf, had put their passports on their beds and came into the rooms and said, that's it, you're on a plane home tomorrow morning, you're out of here. And, of course, that meant they'd be out of the World Cup squad. It was like Mike Summerby. Mike Summerby was one. But how would you tell the country that? that, Oh, he's not playing. Well, it was a a blag, if you like, on Sir Alf's part. Yeah, yeah. Because... um, because the threat was enough. And, of course, they were very contrite. And um, and he told me that story. So he used to tell me those stories, and they never went further, you know, when he was alive. God bless him. And 
I loved him to bits, Brian. I, I you know, Mike, Mike Summerby told me when they coming back from the World Cup game on the train, an international or whatever, on the plane, he was sitting there and he said to Mike, Mike, come and sit here a minute. He said, yeah, what's about my Bobby? He went, how would you like to be a film star? <laughs> I said, what? He said, how would you like to be a film star? He said, what are you talking about? He said, well, we're doing a film called Escape to Victory and it's all going to be footballers. And Mike Summerby was in it. And then Bobby used to tell the story. I used to say to Bob, that pass and the overhead kick, the, the scissor kick from Pele, the more I used to go, one take. Ah, brilliant. Brilliant. It, it, one take. One take. The, 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 film he, the, the story he told me about that film was um, Sylvester Stallone was in, in it, but he wasn't supposed to do any of the goalkeeping. The goalkeeping was supposed to be done by... I know the story. I know the story. It was supposed to be done by Laurie Civil, wasn't it? The Ipswich Town goalkeeper who was there. And Stallone insisted on doing the goalkeeping. So when you watch the film... That's it. (laughs) It's hilarious when you watch the film, isn't it? It is. It is so bad. I was watching it with my boys the other day, and I said, you've got to watch this film. I said, Ozzy Ardiles is in it, and Russell Osman's in it, and Bobby's in it. And the Bobby dialogue isn't very much, to be fair, in the film. You know, he doesn't speak a lot. And they're all in it, and Pele's in it, and all these players, Paul Van Himst, I think, Belgian player. And and we've got to the penalty save, and the boys just (laughs) wet themselves laughing. I reckon he jumps off of a... Jumped onto a um, like a trampoline, or something. trampoline, trampoline yeah. and jumped up. And Bobby said he had a he had a Winbago there, and he used to go in there, and no one ever saw him. <laughs> it's hilarious! All these massive stars around him, and he didn't even realise. Never, never saw it. I love the bit where Pele Pele gets the chalk, and he goes, "You give me the, give me you give me the ball, I do this, 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 go." <laughs> That's it. That's English he learned from the film. Well, that's time, unfortunately, gentlemen. Thanks very much, Brian, for coming on uh, on this Bobby Moore special. And uh, don't forget, get, get us on Twitter at JPNT Football. And thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.